0: I'd firstly like to say thank you so much for wanting to start this podcast because um, some of the people that we've spoken to, we can see that there's a big need a lot of women, a lot of men, a lot of families actually that have experienced uh, baby loss. Um, and the circumstances around that are not always heard. And um, so I just really wanted to say thank you for being brave enough to tell your story and for being a source of help and encouragement um, for those that have gone through this or are going through this or will go through this horrible thing, experience at some point in their lives. Um, so first, I'd like to ask you, really, um, what ha- has made you want to start this podcast?
1: So, um... But uh, thank you as well, by the way. Um, uh, I don't mean I don't feel that brave right now, but um, the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because in 2020 um, I gave birth to a beautiful baby boy called Zion. And sadly, after 47 minutes, he passed away. Um, and it was a life changing experience for me and anybody who knows me, all my family, my friends. Um, and at the time I felt so alone and um, I struggled to find support and it was a it was something that I found really quite awkward to talk to people about and so I thought it'd be a really nice thing hopefully for some people to be able to hear that they're not alone and um, we all go through experiences we experience them in different ways but you know we still have there's still similar things that we experience and I really want to make it a comfortable platform for people to be able to talk about these things because it, it is quite awkward for most people involved, I feel. Um, and it should be something that we talk about because although it is such a horrible tragedy and it's heartbreaking, it's, these are still our children. So we still need to talk about our children and um we want our children memories to live on and so what better way to do that than to talk with family and friends and with peers and people you know that have experienced similar stuff or been around people that have experienced that and it's also educational for other people who are trying to support people in that situation and they don't know what to do because nobody knows what to do we are not prepared for this it's not it's not natural it's not the way of nature so um Yeah, it's really hard. So I'm hoping that this will help people um, open up and feel more confident and comfortable to talk about these things.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree, because I think that without having people who are willing to open up and speak about these things, even those people that are not experiencing it, it gives them a different perspective as to how somebody's life conform because you know it might be that there's people that either who haven't had children or who haven't experienced this um sort of loss that don't really understand the effects that it can have on people the effects it can have on families and the the wider implications of that and I think that goes right up to you know when we're talking about services such as maternity services and you know the government and things that they're doing is the fact that uh women's voices because of the hurt and the pain and the um distress that these things cause can sometimes mean that the actual information and the lessons that we need to make things better are kept inside of them so that's why i just think that this is a really brilliant opportunity to kind of be able to share that message and maybe drive some real change with um how women experience these types of things in the future So um, you spoke about Zion and that's the reason that we're here. We're here because of Zion's life, regardless of, you know, how short his life was. We're here because of his life. And I just wanted to ask him, was was Zion your first child? Was he your first pregnancy or do you just give me a bit of background about you as a mum? So I will,
1: I'll tell you my story. Um, so that, yeah, so there, were, I mean, the reason why this, I wanted to start this podcast was because of Zion, but it's the journey starts with me at my first daughter, Mia, um, who's going to be 10 in June. She was born in 2012. Uh, she wasn't planned, but she was a beautiful surprise. And after her, we knew that we wanted to have a, a, a relatively big family. Um, well, I did, my husband, not so much, but I convinced him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, we had her. And then, About When she was about two or three, we decided to try for another baby. Um, I did fall pregnant quite quickly. I do actually fall pregnant quite quickly. Mm -hmm. Falling pregnant isn't um, the challenge for me. It's keeping the babies, which is the challenge for me. So I went on to have three miscarriages after Mia. Um, And I had to have, the sad thing is I had to have three miscarriages because the NHS wouldn't do anything to help me until I had three miscarriages, um they don't investigate or do anything until you've had three miscarriages so i had those relatively quite And is a that a standard thing in the NHS? Yeah as far as i'm aware it is that was what i was told oh, wow. anyway um yeah so and they were quite back to back within the space of a year and a half i'd had three miscarriages um yeah. and then then I, then they did tests on me and they found out I had a condition. Um, simple name for it is sticky blood syndrome, um, and that stops the blood from traveling through the placenta, um, which then obviously st- prevents the baby from getting everything it needs. And I was losing my babies at around seven weeks, so um, they found out that I had this, and so I was then put on some medication or tinzaparin. It's a blood thinning medication. So from when you're six weeks pregnant you have to have a scan as soon as the baby's got a heartbeat, they give you the injections and you have to inject yourself every day until you give birth and then after as well. Um, So I did that um, with my second daughter, Bella. Um, I was, I was given quite a lot of support with her. I had lots of extra scans and things and she was, she came here and she's still here and she was fine. Um, So that was great. Um, To be honest, I'd had the three miscarriages, prior to her but her pregnancy I was quite calm and relaxed I'd say because I, I made a conscious effort to enjoy the pregnancy I didn't want to be an anxious mum um can I just when... ask
0: a question so obviously I know that you, you you mentioned the three uh miscarriages and that being almost a a landmark or a marker for the NHS to act but can I just ask how you felt during those times because we're talking about it like three miscarriages as if it's you know a uh, kind of, but each one of those were also children that didn't make it here, um, and so I just want to just touch on that and how that felt for you, and even the fact of the NHS not acting unless you'd already lost three babies. How did all of that sit with you or feel?
1: To be honest with you, um, the first miscarriage, the first miscarriage was the hardest. Um, I'd Everything, everything was in place. Everything was falling into place. I felt so lucky. Um, I'd gotten everything I'd wanted when I wanted it. Um, And obviously for any parent, this is why I think it's so important to have these conversations because for any parent, no matter how far gone you are in your pregnancy, as soon as you know you're pregnant, whether you want to or not, you start planning for the future. You already make those plans. You you've got visions of this baby and how you're going to live with this baby and what you're going to do and what your family's going to look like. And I had all of those. Um, And I just got a promotion at the time. I was um, managing a hostel um, for homeless people and um, it was quite intense. And I remember going to work and going to the toilet and seeing blood. And I do, uh, with with my first pregnancy, I did bleed at the beginning as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But I knew something was different. My instincts told me something wasn't right. um, And I went to the hospital, I went to A&E. And to be honest with you, I think I was still in a state of shock because even while I was in a and I was still working. I took my laptop with me and I was still working. Um, and because I knew, I knew that they wouldn't be able to do anything. They could just check you and that's it and just tell you what's happening, but they can't actually do anything. Um, but anyway, they'd booked me in for a scan. And so uh, I think I was there a couple of hours and I scan. I think the scan was for the next day. Um, but I always remember the saying, if the blood clot is bigger than a 50 pence coin, then you have to worry, yeah. and mine was. So I was worried, Um, but I carried on working. And then the next day I went for the scan and I always remember the midwife or whoever it was, the nurse who was doing the scan said to me when I said about the blood and she said, well, your, your version of a little bit of blood and our version of a little bit of blood is two different things. And I remember thinking, I mean, I didn't say anything, but I just thought, OK, that was very insensitive. But and then as yeah. soon as she as soon as she gave me the scan, her face dropped and she mm-hmm. had to eat her words because she could see the baby, but there was no heartbeat. Yeah. So
0: and I think what what um, strikes me, because obviously I've heard your story before, but what strikes me is the lack of empathy within some people that are in a profession that requires the ultimate form of empathy so you know when you are caring for women who are um pregnant and giving birth that is a time when we need the support we need the Mm -hmm. let's call it that kind of nurturing care um and to have somebody be quite condescending really because mm. that sounded mm. to me like it was quite a condescending thing that yeah. she said to yeah. you I think is is also really really hard and I, I think part of when we talk about the changes part of that is around how women are treated in the because things are going to happen aren't they you know miscarriages happen you know uh, baby loss happens but it's about how people are supported and how they're treated through that time that helps with the lasting trauma of that incident.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree. I think there there's a, a lack of support. There is, it's non-existent, especially if it's an early miscarriage. I personally found, I can't speak for everybody, but me personally, there wasn't much support. Obviously after she'd realized that I had miscarriage and then she, her tune did change. Um, but by then it, you know, the damage had already been done and, yeah. you know, it um, wasn't much trust in them and I remember so I remember going home and I had to wait for the baby to pass naturally and I still carried on working I think that's what I just threw myself into work just to kind of ignore it or pretend it wasn't it wasn't happening there was nothing I could do about it so I needed to just carry on I still had my other child so I still needed to be a mum to her and you know look after her and carry on so I did and it was a couple of months later uh, I kind of broke down at work uh, a new uh, area manager came in and tried to change uh, all the ha- unpick all the hard work I'd spent doing for the previous few months and I thought and I've been doing this whilst going through what I'm going through and they just I just didn't feel supported at work either so I just yeah. literally just had a breakdown and just went off sick I said okay I just put my hands up it's fine if you know better you you do what you're doing and I need to take some time out for myself so I did go off um sick And I literally, you're going to laugh, but I remember I actually locked myself away basically for a couple of weeks and I sat and watched Gossip Girl. and that was what got me through <laughs>
0: Worst things to watch they could be best things <laughs>
1: yeah. but I remember watching Gossip Girl I think I watched all the series and there was a lot so um that was my that was what got me through but I did find it really really hard it was yeah. the, the due date was the day of my dad's birthday and my dad had sadly passed away 30 years this year um so it was it was really nice to think that I was going to have a uh, my baby was due on his birthday and I I had it in my head, it was going to be a boy. Like I've always wanted a boy. Anyone that knows me, I mean, I love my daughters, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love my daughters and I wouldn't change them for the world, but, Every pregnancy, I've always wanted it to be a boy. I've, I always yeah. thought, old traditional, you have your boy first and then you, then the girls afterwards, so.
0: Yeah, i just, uh, sorry, there's a couple of things there. So that's also my story. I have four girls and every time I was trying for a boy. So I've got that boy envy and now I'm obviously not gonna have any, so here we are. <laughs> um, and the um, the other thing that I wanted to pick up there was about the response from your workplace. So obviously, you know, my background is HR, As well as coaching. And I um, find that employers and managers, because remember, it's not necessarily about the CEO of the company or the HR department, it's going to be people's individual line managers that would need an awareness about what the actual impact and the gravity of these things when they happen to a woman. and then something around how best to support. And I think things have gotten better and it's so funny because throughout COVID, it's almost as if employers and businesses around the world got a dose of reality and real life they were literally able to see into people's homes and see what was going on with them. And, you know, they may have lost people from COVID and all of those types of things. And I think that now we've got kind of an emergence of um, conscious businesses now in terms of looking at what support and what, Um, Policies and and things that they can bring in to help people. Like, you know, we've got this thing about menopause now, we've got extra people, a lot of people talking about parental support and all the rest of it. But I always say to people that the reason why I went into HR was because I wanted to make a change to people's everyday lives. And I think people don't realize that we spend the majority of our lives at work. And so it's really important how employers, how HR, how line managers, respond to people and things that happen in their life outside of work because there's no way that there's not going to be an impact in the workplace and so I just wanted to pick up on that kind of almost it seems uncaring, but I think that it also has a lot to do with just ignorance really and not knowing yeah the gravity and how to deal with the situation so yeah I just wanted to kind of make that 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 oh yeah
1: 100% I mean work has a huge impact especially when it comes when I lost my son Zion it really really impacted me and when I get to that I'll tell you a bit more about that but um, yeah for me at the time of my first miscarriage the company I worked for at the time was going through a restructure so I didn't have a manager above me at the time I was the CEO was the only person above me um and yeah he wasn't somebody that I would have been able to go and sit down and have a one-to-one with he wasn't somebody who Give one-to-ones I don't think um (laughs) but yeah so yeah it was they they weren't the greatest um but I went into self-preservation mode and just had to look after myself and take time out I withdrew is what that's what I did I withdrew from everybody um and then I picked myself back up again um because they said you need to wait a couple of months before you could try again and that's what we did and then I did and I and I fell pregnant quite quickly again um and then Again, as unfortunately, I, I lost the, this one. Um, this How time did you feel now,
0: in that second pregnancy? Were you more nervous? How did you think it, when you found out you was pregnant, what were your feelings at that point?
1: The second time, because it already happened, I think before it happens, you don't really think it's a possibility because you just hear about mm. people getting pregnant, having a baby, and it's all lovely. Nobody talks about these things, so you don't think about these things. So um, after it happened, yes, I definitely, I was nervous. In in a way I kind of waited for it to happen. I was expecting it to happen again. So when it did happen, obviously it was absolutely devastating, but at the same time, it wasn't as, as devastating as the first time because I was waiting for it.
0: And you kind of hardened yourself to that reality.
1: Yes. And yeah. I mean, I remember actually, that one was just as bad. I remember my friend's 30th birthday party and I hadn't told many people because I hated that having to have that conversation to say that I'd miscarriage. Um, and obviously society tells you don't talk about your pregnancy before 12 weeks either. Yeah. So um, and I'd gone on.: And I think that's
0: especially coming from a I don't, I don't know from a, coming from an African caribbean background, which is what I'm from. That is definitely a standard thing. You don't tell people that you're pregnant even after 12 weeks. They're like because you're you know, you're tempting fate or you're that, that type of thing.
1: Yeah. And then you do get scared. And if you do tell people and something happens and you feel like it's yes. your fault. Yeah. So and I am can be very superstitious as well. So. um, So, yeah, I hadn't told anyone. But I, at this point, I knew that um, I'd lost a baby and I was again waiting for the baby to pass. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at my friend's house and it passing at the baby passed at my friend's house. And I didn't tell anybody. I just went downstairs and I just carried on like it hadn't happened, mm. um, which in hindsight was not a good thing to do and i would never recommend that to anybody because you should always deal with what's going on with you instead of ignoring it and that's what i did i ignored it yeah. and then so by the time i had the third miscarriage i was so numb that like it was it was heartbreaking but what was more heartbreaking was the the doctors because i'd had the third miscarriage i was too scared to do a pregnancy test but i know my body so well i knew i was pregnant my periods are so regular um, so, and when I fall pregnant, it, it always feels similar at the beginning. So I knew I was pregnant, but I was too scared to do a test. I wanted to wait. And then and then around the same where it would have been around seven weeks, I started bleeding again. And I'd said to the doctor, my, my actual GP at the time, he was really good. He'd, he'd been my GP since a kid and he really did listen to me. And he, that's why he sent me forward for the test. But everyone after that, oh, they were really funny with me because my GP had sent me for tests, but they didn't actually officially know if I was pregnant the third time or not and then lots of people commented on that as well well we don't actually know it was three miscarriages do we and I had to say to them well actually yes I, I do because guess what I know my body <laughs> and I know that I was pregnant I could tell my boobs were hurting you know I'd stopped I had it wasn't having a period I, I, I had all the symptoms I know what it's like to be pregnant by that time it was my fourth pregnancy I knew um so but then that's when they started to give me the, the tests and then they figured out what was wrong with me. And then because of that, it gave me confidence in my, so Bella was my fourth, fifth pregnancy. Um, so yeah, I had the confidence when I was pregnant with her um, and they did look after me and she, she came here. She was, I got induced two weeks early with her and that's how it's then going to be now from when I have my kids, I'll be induced two weeks early. Um there was a few complications her. she wasn't growing right at one point and then she was and, but she was fine by the end of it. it. And then, um, and then in 2019, my, my now husband proposed to me and I remember being desperate for another baby. He's, he's, um, I come from a a family. I've got, um, there's four of us growing up in the house. He yeah. was, he's a, he's a only child. So he was happy with the one child. And then we had yeah. the second, and he was even more happy with that. Um, he wasn't really that keen on the third, whereas I definitely wanted another baby. Uh, as soon as I had Bella, I knew I wanted another baby. Um, so when he proposed to me, one of the conditions of me saying yes was, as long as we can have another baby. <laughs> and obviously, he, he agreed to he that. He agreed. Yeah. yeah he did. <laughs> and then I felt pregnant really quickly again because I said, I don't have problems falling pregnant. Yeah. So in. January 2020 I found out I was pregnant with Zion um I was quite poorly with him for the first month um but I was so excited I I mean I've wanted all my babies but I don't know what it was with him there was a bond there from the very beginning I wanted him so
0: badly and the do you bond think that, I had um, sorry to interrupt you do you think that some of it has got to do with the fact that you now had a plan or hope that the pregnancy would be fine because obviously when you'd had the the, the the miscarriages before you'd kind of gotten to the end of the miscarriages and then you had one and you know uh, bella was born and she was fine so now you kind of thought well this one hopefully there should be no hiccups and you know the yeah. the the, the, worry, the dread was kind of gone because there was a solution
1: well, it's funny to say that because in that respect, yes, I was much more confident. But for some reason, I, ha- I had a dreaded feeling. I don't know why, but I did. For my pregnancy with Zara, and I had this horrible dreaded feeling for the, ho- the whole time near enough. Um, it, I mean, obviously it was January 2020 when I found out I was pregnant. And then in March 2020, we went into lockdown and it was the pandemic. And I think nobody knew what was going on. It was a scary time. Mm. Uh, we had family that it it hit and my my father-in-law he caught covid it was in hospital for for four and a half weeks on a ventilator so it was scary times and I think in the the beginning of March the middle of March one of my really really good friends passed away Um, and it was really unexpected and um, it wasn't covid related or anything like that and I remember thinking that's why I had that dreaded feeling because I really had a horrible dreaded feeling for ages, really bad. And then, but after he passed away, it kind of went away a little bit. So I thought that was why I had that dreaded feeling. And then, but little did I know, um, the week after his funeral, a week to the day, um, I went into labour with Zion. And at that point I was 20, according to the doctors, I was 22 weeks and five days. Um, It all, it
0: started... Tell us a bit about the significance of that.
1: So Those um,
0: dates.
1: for <laughs> a baby to be classed as a viable life, you have to be 24 weeks pregnant okay. in the eyes of the, the law and how it is. Um, so I was 20, 22 weeks and five days. So that is very, very significant. And then uh, this is where it becomes very significant for, very significant for employers and things as well. So I had had him, <clears throat> I'd started bleeding on the Thursday and I remember trying to ring the midwife and she didn't I couldn't get hold of her until the Friday and mm-hmm. then she'd arranged for me to go and see her on the Saturday in the hospital and check me over so I did and she thought I had an onset of a water infection she checked the baby she said he was fine at this point I'd had my 20-week scan so I knew he was a boy so we was all excited we was having the boy it was the first boy in the family in 18 years on my side so everybody was excited yeah um And then um, on the Saturday, so she checked me over. She said the baby was fine. And, um, but she thinks I've got an um, onset of a urine infection, although I was bleeding. And I would showed her pictures as well. Um, But she sent me home and said, if the, just take it easy. If the pain gets any worse or the blood gets any worse, then to go to delivery.